Is it possible that the United States, a superpower without equal in history, might not be a key player in end time events leading up to the Lord's return? If so, what is likely to happen to our nation to remove it from the scene as a key world player in international politics? What does the Bible have to say about the USA in prophecy? For a detailed discussion of this crucial question, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My colleague Nathan Jones and I are delighted to have with us again this week a very special guest, one of our Bible prophecy colleagues named Mark Hitchcock. Mark, welcome back to Christ in Prophecy for the third week. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back with you. Okay. As I say, this is Mark's third week with us, and we feel very blessed to have him back with us for a third time. As I've explained previously, Mark is the pastor of Faith Bible Church in Edmond, Oklahoma, and he is also a very prolific writer about Bible prophecy. He's also a very much in-demand Bible prophecy speaker at conferences all over the nation. I'm also glad to have Nathan Jones uh, here to help me interview Mark. Nathan is our web minister here at Lamb and Lion Ministries. Now, folks, that doesn't mean he's a web master. He's a web minister. He's the one who responds to all the questions that you folks send in through our website, and I am so glad to have him to do that. So I don't have to do all of it, but uh, we get together every once in a while and confer, don't we? Uh, well, Nathan, it's good to have you here. Well, great to be here, Dave. Thank you. Hey, folks, two weeks ago we began our interview of Mark Hitchcock by discussing his excellent book, 2012. And in that book, he discusses from a biblical viewpoint all the reasons why there's been so much speculation about the world coming to an end in the year 2012. And then last week, we shifted our focus to another of Mark's books, this one called Cashless. It concerns the fulfillment of biblical prophecies about the end time economic system being a cashless one where buying and selling can be easily controlled by a world government headed up by the Antichrist. And if you missed either one or both of those previous interviews with Mark, you can find them on our website at lamblion.com. Well, in this week's interview, we are going to consider a third book by Mark, this one entitled The Late Great United States. It is subtitled, What Bible Prophecy Reveals About America's Last Days. Mark, I'd like to uh, get into the topic of the United States in uh, Bible prophecy by um, taking a look at some of the places where people historically have found the U.S. in Bible prophecy. And one of those that I know goes back a long time, because I've read, again, books published in the 19th century that said this, is Isaiah 18. And the reason for that is that it refers to a nation of people who are tall and smooth, you know, no beards. And it talks about a people who live in a nation that's divided by a great river. And people say, aha, there's the United States in Bible prophecy. How about it? Yeah, a lot of people uh, like to go to Isaiah 18. I've read that as well. You know, a lot of folks back in uh, centuries past, I mean, it's a, it's a very old view. Now, everybody would agree, you know, America is not mentioned by name in the Bible. Yep. There's nowhere there's America mentioned. But Isaiah 18, to me, the problem with referring that to, to the United States, there's several problems with it. One, a lot of people latch onto this idea. It says, you know, it's uh, uh, the land of whirring wings. And they take that to be the wings of an eagle. But probably being in the Nile Valley area, it's the wings of insects is probably <laughs> right, what it's referring right. to. And when you read Isaiah 18, it's in the context of God talking about some of the near nations around Israel. And he's talking about Egypt. 
And probably uh, this nation that's not named, there's probably ancient Cush, yes. which was the nation to the south uh, of, of the modern-day nation of Egypt. So, you know, the idea says it's a land divided by, riv- by a river. You know, people take that to be the Mississippi or other rivers, but it was the Nile River. But it shows you how desperate people are to find the United States in Bible prophecy. Yes, it does. You know, and, and people can read things into Scripture. It's like the old statement, you know, wonderful things in the Bible I see, especially those put there by you and by me. <laughs> And, uh, I like that. I've never heard that. <laughs> when we go to, when we look at places in the Bible, and that's one of the problems with prophecy, we can kind of speculate and, and read the Bible yeah. in light of really uh, current events or things we want to see rather than reading current oh, events good. through the Bible. And I think that's well, then, important. I've got two for you then, since here you got, because there are many. If you go to Ezekiel 38 13, yes. and it talks about the big Gog Magog battle where Russia and Turkey and Iran and some other nations like Libya are going to attack Israel. Yes. And there's a nation that sit out. And one of them is Dedan and Sheba, which ends up being the modern Arab nations. Yes. And also the, uh, the merchants of Tarshish. Yes. And uh, archaeologists assume that Tarshish was the ancient name of Britain. It, it kind of means beyond Gibraltar. And that depending on your translation, Tarshish and its young lions, in other words, Britain settled Canada and the United States and Australia. And that these nations, these merchants, will eventually, if you go to 39.6, that at the end of the Gog-Magog battle when the army is destroyed, that God will then go ahead and send fire on the nations that invaded as well as on the nations on the coastlands. Mm -hmm. So the question is, is the United States one of those merchants of Tarshish and are we going to fire port on us? Are we one of those nations that live in safety? You know, of all of the different places where people try to find American prophecy, if you want to find one, this would be the best one, I think. Because you're right, in Gog, Magog, all these nations, uh, Russia and these Islamic nations are invading Israel. But it says that Sheba and Dedan and that Tarshish and the young lions thereof are the merchants. As you said, they kind of sit on the sidelines and they give one a, kind of what I call a lame protest to this invasion. Kind of sounds like the UN. It really. certainly does. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like because they're saying, have you come to capture great spoil? Or the present U.S. government. That's right. You know, it's just kind of this laissez-faire attitude of, uh, of saying, have, you know, have you come to capture spoil? Well, it's obvious they have. You know, the, the U.N. and others, you know, are, are always giving these condemnations of things but not doing anything. And really, if you look at it today, it talks about Sheba and Dedan are on the sidelines. Well, that's more of the moderate Arab states today that often do side with the West. The issue, though, comes down to where was Tarshish? You know, Tarshish, some people take with Spain because, you know, that's where uh, Jonah, I remember, was going to, to Tarshish, you know, the opposite direction, a Phoenician colony in Spain. Was it, uh, was it Great Britain? But the young lions thereof does refer to kind of the nations that come out of that place. So if it is Britain, then you could see possibly America in the young lions But nobody knows that Tarshish. for sure. That's right. No one knows. And so that's why I would say if you want to find America somewhere in the Bible, that's probably the best place. But for me personally, it's still too tenuous very, to very, say this is America. It, it, it certainly is foggy. <laughs> but even but here, one of the points I like to make, too, is you know even if Isaiah 18 were a reference to America or this were a reference to America, it doesn't really tell you anything no. about our country. All it tells you is we exist. Well, I, I got tickled uh, because uh, I grew up with people teaching me that this was the United States in Bible yes. prophecy. And then when archaeological uh, discoveries in recent years seemed to point to Tarshish as Spain, mm-hmm. the people who believed this said, oh, well, it's still the United States because 
who discovered America? That's Columbus. Right. Yeah, Where did he come so from? Right. Spain. So we're really one of the young lions of Spain, right, not yeah. one of the young lions of Britain. Sounds <laughs> more like Argentina or South America then. If that's okay, the well, let's go to another one, Revelation 12. In Revelation 12, it says there's going to be a great war in the middle of the tribulation. Satan will be cast down to earth. He'll come down in great wrath. He's going to uh, possess the Antichrist and motivate him to uh, destroy, annihilate the Jewish race. And it says that as he begins to come against the uh, Jews, that they will flee into the wilderness on the wings of a great eagle. And people say, aha, there we are. There's the United States in Bible prophecy because the symbol of our nation is an eagle. Therefore, we're going to provide the end time airlift for the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what I would see that as, you know, the, the wings of an eagle there as the Jewish people are fleeing simply speaks of that God gives them protection, gives them speed and swiftness to be able to flee into the wilderness and be protected. Uh, you know, again, to me, to, to build a whole case there that America is in Bible prophecy just because of a mention of an eagle. You, know, you go to the other places, you know, in the book of Revelation, it says there's an angel, you know, like an, an eagle, you know, flying in the yep. mid-heavens, you know, proclaiming the, the, the gospel. Well, is that the United yeah, States yeah. as well? So, it's when you take those kinds of arguments to me, uh, uh, it, again, it's even more tenuous than making the young lines of Tarshish. Yeah, I would agree. And, 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 and particularly when you come to symbolic phrases like the wings of an eagle, right. The best thing to do is to, uh, search uh, with a concordance or if you have it on computer, that term. Right. And you'll find the exact words in Exodus 19.4 and Deuteronomy 32.11 mm -hmm. where it says that the children of Israel came out of Egypt on the wings of a great eagle. Yeah, All right. it means is yeah. they're coming out under the protection yeah. of Almighty God. That's right. And with speed too and swiftness yeah. as they're yeah. coming out. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And that, But it, it kind of it heightens this idea again. We were talking about how people tend to just grab onto things, just very small things and build a a whole doctrine of that. And that's a, a warning, I think a good warning to all of us to be careful about sure. not doing that. What about Revelation 18 then? Some people when they read Babylon they'll say, well it's New York City or it's the United States as a whole. Is Babylon, which gets destroyed in an hour, the nation of the United States? And I would say that's the most popular one today. I it, mean it almost is. every day I get a, a message from somebody saying it's got to be the United States right. because it talks about a nation that controls the world and mm -hmm. economy and everything. It's right. got to be us. That's right. And it became even more popularized after 9-11, after yes. those events take, took place. There are several clues that the book of Revelation, Revelation 17, verse 18, tells us that Babylon is the great city which rules over the kings of the earth. So it's a city. I mean, it tells us that very clearly. Now, what city is it? When you go back to the beginning of the passage, it says whatever this Babylon is, it says it's the mother of all harlotry of all spiritual rebellion against God. Well, there's only one city that I know of that qualifies as the fountainhead of all of this, and it was ancient Babylon. Uh, the book of Revelation is called the Apocalypse. It's the unveiling. It's not a hiding of truth. And the word Babylon occurs about 300 times in the Bible. And all of the other times that Babylon occurs, with, with maybe one exception in 1 Peter 5, it refers to ancient Babylon. And it would seem strange to me that for the Bible to refer to Babylon over and over and over again as literal Babylon, and then you come to the very end of the Bible and all of a sudden it's changed. You know, Babylon is the most talked about topic, though, in the book of Revelation. There are 44 of the 404 verses in the book of Revelation about Babylon, 11% of the book of Revelation is about Babylon. So whatever it is, it's very important. And I see Babylon as both a city, I take it as the literal city over in Iraq, but also the false system the Antichrist will develop around that city that will exist in the end well, times. Well, that's the point I would make, whether it be Babylon, Rome, or whatever, it's going to be the uh, empire of the Antichrist. That's right. And uh, that empire is not going to be the United States of America. Yeah. It's going to come out of the uh, European Union, out of the European uh, old uh, uh, European uh, the Roman Empire, 
And uh, so, whether it's Rome, Babylon, or whatever, it's going to be that. That's talking about the, the worldwide kingdom of the Antichrist, right. which is going to be a much greater kingdom than the United States of America because it's going to include the whole world. Right. And Bible prophecy focuses on that part of yeah, the world as right. well. So, I agree, you know, Babylon could be, I take it as literal Babylon, others take it mm -hmm. as Rome, but it's not going to be New York City or the United no. States. It just simply doesn't fit. Welcome back to our interview of Dr. Mark Hitchcock, pastor of Faith Bible Church in Edmond, Oklahoma, and Bible prophecy author and speaker. Mark, we threw all these Bible verses at you that America is supposed to be in the Bible, and you <laughs> shot them all down. Is America in Bible prophecy? Well, I don't think America is mentioned in Bible prophecy. You know, I don't see America anywhere, but then that raises a really large question. You know, why? Mm -hmm. Of course, a lot of people would say, well, we're not mentioned in the Bible, just like a lot of countries aren't mentioned. I'd say Canada isn't mentioned and Brazil isn't mentioned. Yeah, I'd but say, they're not dominating the world that's like right. not America. That's right. That's right. And, but, you know, I've never been to a conference and been asked, you know, you have, where's Canada in prophecy? Where's Brazil? You know, but, but it makes sense, like you say, that people would ask that because we are the most dominant political, economic, military nation that's ever existed. And it, it's even more pressing when you consider the fact that the signs of the times indicate we're right on the threshold of the tribulation. I mean, it, well, that's right. So, and we're the great. Do we just suddenly great, disappear? Well, happened? we're the great protector of Israel yeah. you know, as well. Plus, you know, God did mention nations that were far away from Israel. He mentions Rosh you know, or Russia. He mentions the kings of the east, probably China. Mm -hmm. So God did mention places far away. If He'd have wanted to mention us, He could have. So the fact that we're not there leads me to believe that something has happened to our country that has caused us to go from being a leading nation uh, to being a following nation. Well, what do you think that is? Well, there's a lot of different things you can look out there and see today. Now, since the Bible doesn't tell us, then we have to engage in some speculation. But I, I think it's speculation that's justified because you look at our world today and you could say, you know, oil is our Achilles heel. You know, back when the Arab oil embargo happened in 1973 and 74, we were importing 35% of our oil. And we said, we've got to get out this oil addiction. Well, now it's 70%. <laughs> You're uh, right. Those nations literally have us over a barrel. Oh. I mean, over the oil. I mean, it's, it's, uh, that's a serious thing. You have uh, just the whole economic crisis. Our nation, with some of the policies that are being adopted, could go bankrupt. Hmm. And California's We bankrupt. are bankrupt. Well, yeah, we are, but officially, California's <laughs> bankrupt. Right. Uh, you know, the, uh, the national clock, of, national debt clock, you know, they have it spinning, you know, 10 million <laughs> or 10 trillion, <laughs> 11 trillion. You know, it really, the, the amounts of money become almost meaningless really after a while. It's so much in debt. And so we look at that, you know, selling and, and China, mainly China, is underwriting and financing all of this debt. I mean, we're the greatest debtor nation in history. Um, we look at uh, radical Islam. Could there be a nuclear 9-11? And I, I hate to even say that God forbid that would happen because, you know, we love this country. We don't want something but like it that could. to take place. It could. I mean, uh, Mark, uh, all they would have to do is float a merchant ship into New York Harbor right. with a suicide crew, set off a nuclear weapon, and this nation would be in chaos. We'd have military no, law right. overnight. Yeah, what it would do to our nation financially, but what it would do psychologically oh, yeah. to our country. Think about that. And you know, there are people in this world, they wake up every morning and they think all day and they go to bed at night thinking about how they can bring down the sure. United States that they call the great Satan. So that is a, a real possibility that's out there, something that horrifies us to think of it, but it certainly could uh, take place. Those are, you know, some of the kinds of things we can kind of look out there. Or, you know, you look at a collapse from within. I mean, look at the moral fiber of our country and the weakening of it and the way this country... What happened really, to the Roman Empire? Sure. It's what happened to the Russian Empire. It That's just, right. 
Any and, nation that adopts homosexuality as a way of life, usually that's mm-hmm. the last chapter. Well, Alexander Titler, you know, years ago went through those different uh, phases yes. that nations go through, you know, and the, the, the time period of the uh, existence of the world's great powers has been about 200 years. You know, we're on, we're on uh, a, a loaned time, really, if you will, in this country. Um, but, you know, I think my idea is there is a biblical event that I think points to what could happen to America, and that is the rapture. That's something in the Bible that I think, to me, gives a good reason of what could take place to this country. And, you know, when you think about when the rapture takes place, there's, there are believers all over the world, obviously. But America, by any estimation, has the largest percentage of true uh, believers who know Jesus Christ. More than all saved. of Western Europe and England put together. Oh, yeah. They're, they're you know, below 1% yeah, those right. nations. I'll never forget years ago I was traveling from uh, near Ephesus over to Izmir, Turkey, driving up around the edge of the city. Looked down on this city of 3 million people, and there are about uh, two or 3,000 believers in this. And I thought, you know, if the rapture happened, they'd never know the difference. That's right. This American on the bus would disappear well, and they could care uh, we, less. I, I imagine we have some viewers who don't even know what the word rapture means. So uh, explain what yeah. you mean when you say the United States could suddenly cease to be a world power because of the rapture. Yeah, well, the rapture is, is that future event when Christ is going to descend from heaven and all believers on the earth are going to disappear, the Bible says, in the moment and the twinkling of an eye. Every believer on the face of the earth is going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And that would be about 8% to maybe 10% according to the best statistics I've read of the people in this country. The salt and the light is gone. Now, you talk about a drop on the Dow Jones the next day. Yeah. And you're, not ta- you're talking about an event separate and apart from the second coming. That's right. Yeah, right. The, you know, I would say that uh, the Lord's coming is going to happen in two phases. There's not two second comings. Mm-hmm. The Lord is going to come back to the earth at His second coming. At His rapture, we're going to, at the rapture, we're going to be caught up and meet Him in the air. Okay, so, so the, the, the rapture phases. is going to be before the second coming. That's right. And it's coming the, where the Lord really appears in the heavens. He That's doesn't right. come back to the earth, but He appears and all believers living and dead are taken up. You know, if that happened, there would be absolute total chaos in this oh, country. There would be, and, and, all, and all over the world, but especially here in this country. Yeah, because country. We've, we've got born-again Christians in key positions all over this, in military, right. education, business, uh, you name it. Yes, yeah, the salt we would have the to light's have, taken out. The only way this nation could continue to exist would it have to have military law overnight, martial That's law. Right. Uh, think of all the churches that would suddenly be raided, people stealing right. uh, the, the sound boxes and, the, and stealing the computers and everything they right. get their hands on. And we yeah, think the immorality is bad now. Could you imagine you remove That's the right. church, you remove the restraining influence on the government. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the, the immorality that would be legal? Yeah, immorality runs rampant. Then you take all the believers out, and where does support for Israel go? Which is the one thing I believe now in our nation, as bad off as we are in our country, I think the one thing that is staying God's hand against our country is overall we still have we have always been a country that supported Israel. Now that's beginning uh, to to wane seriously in our country, believe it. and uh, is something we need to be very concerned about. But I think over our history we've received good marks on our report card for how we've treated the Jewish people, and God has blessed our nation greatly because of that. But all the Christians disappear. The moral rot, you know, deepens in our country. The support for Israel is taken away. And that would, I think, even deepen what takes place. And I, you know, then I think Europe will rise. Europe right now is the strongest economy in the world. Mm -hmm. They have the the strongest economy in the world at this time. You know, they're going to lose less than 1% of their population. We lose 8 to 10% of our population. America will become, at that time, I believe, a following nation rather than a leading nation in the world. How do you see the United States right now? in terms of uh, a biblical view of a society? 
Well, Romans chapter 1, I think, is a key passage that tells us what happens when God begins to pour out His wrath mm-hmm. upon a nation, upon a people. And we often, you know, you hear people say all the time, when is God going to judge America? And my response is that He already is. The first phase of God's judgment is, it's, I would call it the wrath of abandonment. That's right. God begins to abandon people to their own devices. He, he just steps back and lowers the hedge of protection that's and right. says, if that's the way you want to live. Right. That's right. And, and, and three times there in Romans 1, it says, and God gave them over, and God gave them over, and God gave them over. And so what we see there is really a, a cycle, a, a downward cycle of what takes place, or steps really, in this, in this process. And the first one there in, in uh, Romans chapter 1, uh, verses uh, 24 to 26, is what we might call a sexual revolution. That's right. And when just, you know, becomes unbridled in the passions in a culture. And, you know, I, I was born in 1959, and I really lived through and witnessed as a young man that sexual revolution in our culture. And then the second where it says God gave them over is what I've really termed and others a homosexual revolution. It is. A plague, a plague of there. homosexuality. Yes. And I've witnessed that in my lifetime. It really began, I would say, in the early 1980s and is still continuing today. And then it goes on down in the passage to talk about where people just openly encourage evil. Finally, God just delivers the whole society over to a depraved mind. That's right. And there's an open encouragement, basically, of evil. And, you know, we look at our country today, and those are the signs there. Not that God is going to judge you. It says when you see these things, it's a sign that you're already under, you're already under God's judgment. judgment. Well, throughout history, throughout biblical history and ever since uh, the end of biblical history, we can look and see that God deals with nations in a certain way. And one of those ways is through remedial judgments, what I'd call remedial judgments, where He calls a nation to repentance. Because He does not wish that any should perish. He's very patient. Mm -hmm. And He calls the nation to repentance. And we know from the example of uh, Jonah going to Nineveh that when a nation does repent, as the king did and called the whole nation to repentance, God relented. That's right. Yeah, you know, there's these large sections in the Old Testament of God's judgment on Gentile nations. Yes. You know, a lot of people think, well, you know, God doesn't care about nations. He just cares about Israel. Well, He cares about Israel, but Gentile nations are judged, and they're judged for violence and for uh, immorality, for That's materialism, right. for all those different things that are running rampant in our culture. You can see culture. that in the book of Judges where the, the cycle just goes over and over and over. Right. Uh, they come back to God. God blesses them. They, they drift away from God. They begin getting involved in idolatry. God puts judgments upon them. They turn back to God and say, please save us. Mm-hmm. And He does. And then yeah. it starts all over again. When I was a kid I used to wonder, you'd read through the history of Israel and by two generations they were evil and then they'd get brought back in two generations. Mm-hmm. I could, how is that possible in two generations? And now that I'm older and I've, I get to experience at least two generations, I can start seeing and say, hey, that really can happen in, in a country within a hundred years. Yes. It certainly can. And uh, I think God is calling this nation to repentance right now. And we need to take that call very seriously. Welcome back to our interview of Mark Hitchcock, author of The Late Great United States, a book about our nation in Bible prophecy. Mark, one of the things you alluded to a few moments ago had to do with our uh, relationship with the nation of Israel. In Joel chapter 3, uh, God says that in the end times I'm going to gather the nations down to the Valley of Judgment, the Valley of Jehoshaphat. So I'm going to enter into judgment with them. And he says the basis of that judgment is going to be whether or not they attempted to divide up my land. And he says he is going to pour out his wrath on nations that divide up the land of Israel. Well, brother, we're involved in dividing up the land of Israel right now. 
How about some comments about that? Well, you know, this promise that God made to Abraham, you think about how long ago he gave oh, yeah. that, you know, to Abraham. He said, the one who, those who bless you, I'll bless. And then literally in the Hebrew, it's the one who curses you, I must curse. And we've seen that played out through history. In fact, someone has brought out the point, I think it's a great point, every time people have tried to wipe out the Jewish people, the Jewish people end up with a holiday. <laughs> you know, you think about with, uh, with Pharaoh, you know, they got Passover. And with, uh, with Haman, they got the Feast of Purim. And with Antiochus, the they got Hanukkah. And really with Hitler, they got the rebirth of their modern nation in 1948. So this has been played out throughout history that those who bless God's people are blessed and those who curse them are cursed. And I think that's one of the reasons that God's hand of blessing has been so evident upon our country. But what we see happening today in our nation is basically a, a, a slow but steady uh, turning away from the nation of Israel and an abandonment of them. And with all of the other problems we have in our country that deserve the judgment of God and are already bringing it, that's the last thing we need to do is to be involved in anything that uh, ceases to be a blessing to the Jewish people. Well, it certainly is. And I think most people are not aware of the degree to which we are involved in forcing uh, Israel to give up their heartland right now. Mm -hmm. You know, it started with the first President Bush who basically said, uh, uh, if you want us to guarantee loans to you for the World Bank, then you've got to begin negotiating land for peace. We force them to the negotiate. We force them into this suicidal policy of appeasement. And as you well know, appeasement always whets the appetite of the aggressor. It never satisfies him. And we have had their arm up their back ever since then. Both of the Bushes, also Clinton, and now with President Obama, it's the same thing. We are forcing Israel to give up their heartland. And uh, we have great power to do so because sure. we are the only ones who's in the United Nations who stand between Israel and economic sanctions that sure. could destroy that nation with our veto. And they know that. That's right. And we can say you're either going to do what we say or else. That's right. That's right. I, I just call it land. It's not land for peace. It's just <laughs> land is all I call it. <laughs> and no matter how much we give up, they want more. No, that's right. <laughs> they don't recognize Israel's right to exist. So you're, you're dealing with someone who, who doesn't recognize your right to exist. So, you know, it's, it's futile to do that. But they're over there in a, dif in a difficult situation. But, you know, the only foreign policy statement in the Bible for nations is to bless the Jewish people. That's amazing to think I never about thought that. about that. It's the only foreign policy statement <laughs> in all the Bible is, be sure, whatever you do, that you bless the Jewish people. Does God have a domestic policy for nations? Yeah, He does. You know, God says, you know, uh, uh, righteousness exalts a people, but sin is a reproach to any nation. And so one of the, the, the two parts of a domestic policy for a country is to promote righteousness. And, you know, the thing I always like to think about that in my own life, it's easy to decry all the immorality that's happening in our culture. But I need to look at my own life. Yes. Because if I'm involved in pornography and the immorality and these things that are polluting our country, what right do I have to decry what's happening in our country? So we need to look to ourselves and we also need to be praying. The Bible tells us to pray for our leaders. And we need to be praying earnestly for our leaders, for our military, that God will bring them to himself. He'll surround them with people that have wisdom that they'll listen to. Uh, we desperately need to be praying for our country. Well, we do, and uh, we do need to be looking at ourselves. I've often said over 80% of the people in this country profess to be Christians, yes. but uh, if professing Christians would stop buying lottery tickets, the lotteries would cease. Sure. If That's professing right. Christians would stop getting abortions, the abortion mills would have to That's close. Right. We are part of the problem. That's right. And we have to look at ourselves because it's like in Isaiah when Isaiah was saying, renouncing his woes on the nation in Isaiah 5 and 6. But then when you get to the end there, what does he say? He says, woe is me. Amen. And I think, you know, rather than always looking at the nation, we need to look at ourselves as well. <laughs>
Well, folks, that's our time. I hope this program has been a blessing to you, and I hope you'll be investigating your own soul as I'm going to be investigating mine over these next few weeks to come. Till next week, the Lord willing, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. If you've ever wondered how the United States will fare in the end times and what the Bible has to say about our nation, then you will be blessed by Dr. Reagan's newly revised third edition of America the Beautiful. This powerfully written but easy to understand book will help you interpret life-changing events like the terrorist attack of 9-11 and the devastation of Hurricane Katrina. And if you're wondering if there's any hope for America, you'll discover there are key scriptures that speak powerfully to us. So for a gift of $15 or more, call the number you see on the screen or visit lamblion.com and you can have the book America the Beautiful. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.